In this episode of the Fuzz podcast, we have the immense honor of speaking with Melissa and Natalia, the founders, editors, and publishers of Mother Tongue magazine. So why is a guy introducing an episode about motherhood? Well, that question is actually at the center of what makes Mother Tongue magazine so compelling. See, a core element of their ethos is to speak to motherhood in a manner that contrasts with the typically narrow and overly reductionistic approach to media's betrayal of motherhood. You know, imagine those uh, mom magazines in the grocery store checkout aisle, right, with their flowers and pink titles. Mother Tongue Magazine, by contrast, has taken a stance that signals we're not going to default to a very reductionistic notion of what it means to be a mother and a woman. We're going to reclaim the bigness and the wholeness and the messiness and the complexity of motherhood. And through this venture, they engage in conversations that are innately universally resonant, specifically because they're asking questions from the lens of motherhood that really we should all be asking, regardless of gender and orientation and parental status. Questions that fundamentally get at the heart of who we are and how we relate to others, specifically how we take care of each other. These are big questions, and they're questions that we at The Fuzz are very fond of asking and exploring together. So we know you're going to enjoy this conversation as much as we have. To learn more about Mother Tongue Magazine, please visit mothertonguemagazine.com. Welcome to The Fuzz, a Gensler podcast exploring intuitive curiosities. I am Carolina Montilla. And I'm Joel Ferris. Um, Carolina, do you want to kick us off and get the conversation started and then let it unfold from there? Yes, let's do it. All right. So welcome, Natalia and Melissa. We are very, very excited to have you both here. I think generally this is one of those episodes that we can talk about many things, but obviously you both are heading modern tongue and I think it will be around the topic of motherhood but more than motherhood around womanhood about what it means today about what it means to be human first about what it means to talk about caretaking not only as mothers but as as tours of society so I think um, maybe that's a, a good point to get us started uh about let's start with both of you how you got to modern tone and and we'll go from there yeah thank you so much for having us um i think I, i'll dive in melissa um with a bit of of the backstory um so melissa and i met in 2010 in london um where we were both working as editors at a video platform called nowness um which is still around today we crossed um, paths very briefly, but had some kind of lovely instantaneous connection. Um, and I ended up staying um, in London for, for another eight years and Melissa um, decamped back to California where she's from. And, and we kind of lost touch, life took over. Um, we were sort of, you know, in our respective um, worlds working as journalists and editors. And then the pandemic hit and I had in the meantime moved to Houston, Texas of all places. Um, and we we reconnected because I think Melissa was, was shopping around an, an essay um, 
and asked me to take a look. And I happily obliged and was excited to be back in touch. And and we sort of realized we had been living these oddly parallel lives. Um, we had had children at the same time. Our sons are born two days apart. Um, we both have little wow. girls who are you know, now four years old. Um, so it was sort of like we'd, we'd been off in each our universe living a very similar existence, um, both writing and editing in the sort of interiors and art space. And, um, and we started, you know, speaking regularly and having conversations about the world that we were currently finding ourselves in, um, which was very much a pandemic life that saw us both have huge professional um, shifts going from being full-time um, writers and editors to being home um, with our children and squeezing in work as and when we could, like so many people across America and across the world. And I think there sort of was a spark there, um, you know, in a very sort of organic way about how motherhood was unfolding in that incredibly bizarre and unprecedented moment and why were we not sort of having more challenging conversations about what it meant to be a mother and a woman in that moment? Um, and, you know, I, I we sort of casually on a phone call one day sort of threw out, like, should we, should we just, should we just do a magazine? Um, you know, sort of the, the most ludicrous idea at the best of times and perhaps completely insane. Um, during a, a global health crisis. Um, but, you know, we we just started putting it together. I mean, Melissa, maybe you wanna jump in and, and talk a little bit more about those sort of initial conversations. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's funny to think back on kind of when we were talking back then, because, you know, both Natalia and I, as she said, had kind of found ourselves in this full-time stay-at-home role that like, there was no scenario that we had ever kind of thought that that would happen in, you know, it was always kind of like, well, I'll pick up some more freelance or I'll do this or I'll cobble it together. But suddenly there was this, you know, reality that neither of us had kind of ever prepared for. Um, and then I think we were both kind of wondering, well, why, if this is what we're doing all day, why are we not kind of, you know, compelled by any, you know, editorial that's geared towards motherhood, you know, like this is a big part of our lives. Um, the big, it's a really big part of our lives at the moment, you know, it's taken over kind of our, the 24 hours of our day. And, you know, we kind of thought, well, why, if we're people who love editorial and love magazines and love conversations and love, you know, facilitating conversations, why are we not attracted to that kind of, you know, for mothers content, you know? Um, and then, you know, we just kind of thought, well, well, it's just not, it's not speaking to us. And I think, you know, there were a lot of women in our worlds that also felt that way. And we thought, you know, it must be that it's, you know, speaking to an audience who, an audience that doesn't include us. Um, and I think it's because a lot of it was was assuming that if the content was for mothers, it was about parenting, which like, that sounds, you know, it makes sense. Um, but it really assumes that like, because you're a mother, the only thing you're interested in talking about is parenting and kids. 
Um, and we felt, you know, yes, of course, we're mothers. That's a big part of our lives. It changes the way that we see the world, but we're interested in having conversations beyond that too. So those were the sorts of conversations that we wanted to have. And we really felt like other women might want to have them as well. Uh, so we did a Kickstarter for the project to kind of test the concept and see if we were right in our hunch that other people were interested and, you know, much to our surprise and happiness, um, they really were, and even more interested than we thought, um, more people were excited for this to exist than we had even sort of anticipated. And we did the first one and then it felt like, okay, we're off, you know, and I think it's been going strong ever since then. And um, this community that has arisen from it has been like a really wonderful, amazing surprise for us. And I think like that's a big part of it. You created something that built a community. A community. I think that the people that we have talked about that are big fans of you, that are mothers that we've told we're, we're, you're going to be part of the podcast, their first reaction is like, they're saying everything I'm thinking about, but nobody was saying it before. So I think like that creates such a sense of like validation of like you, you can feel that way. You can interrogate certain feelings. You, you can care about more than just parenting. Um, so I think like that's a big thing, a big like a purpose that that your um, publication has. That perhaps that's why it didn't resonate before when you were like, okay, mothers and motherhood content is not really what we do, but it's because it wasn't being done in the way you're doing it today, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we struggled with is, you know, like is a lot of this sort of parenting content, like in some way, like, you know, what we, the experience that we took away is like, it's quite condescending, you know, <laughs> it's like the underlying assumption is that you become a mother and you sort of fall off a cliff and then your entire sort of intellectual, <laughs> um, social perception of the world, you know, shifts. And of course, in some ways it certainly does, but, you know, we wanted to push back against this assumption and sort of say, why are we not able to have challenging conversations that question, you know, all these sort of, um, presumptions that society makes in the way that they frame mothers. Um, and I think, you know, Carolina, that that's sort of for, for us and, and maybe, you know, other women, that was a little bit of a, of a relief. Like, yes, like, let's go for it. Let's say the things that aren't usually said, not for the sake of being provocative, but because we're all having these feelings. And that's precisely what community is about, is sort of creating a platform for dialogue where people can come to the table with different perspectives. Um, and I think that's, as editors, what really excites us is that we can be host um, to these discussions where, where people are coming from very different circumstances, from very different walks of life, and sort of finding some kind of connection point in this experience of motherhood because it is so manifold um, and, and complex. 
And I, and I think just to add to that, I think like, you know, it's not that we're the first ones ever having these conversations by any stretch, you know, it's like, it's like many people are having these conversations. There's, there are so many great publications that have like really interesting conversations. I think we just didn't feel that there was one sort of devoted to this area in the way that we are. And we felt that, that there was also an incredible opportunity in the visual sense um, because previously it feels like, or it does feel like anything to do with moms or parenthood is very soft and pink and sweet and cute, you know, and that has not been our experience of motherhood at all. I don't think that's representative from a design sense and it's not super appealing either. You know, we thought, why couldn't you apply, you know, something that is, um, challenging in a visual sense and sharp and fresh and, um, you know, use colors that are maybe awkward together and kind of, you know, make you want to look at something in a different way. So I think, you know, we had both, both coming as Natalia mentioned from this interior design and art space, we saw, we were familiar with kind of the aesthetic of kind of a vis like a challenging visual conversation and feeling like, you know, this space was really ripe for that. I love how you're pulling together these conversations and you're, in a sense, at least this is what resonates with me, it seems as though in coming back to that conversation that you said, uh, or the comment you made earlier, Melissa, about the narrowness of existing publications, that there's this tendency to be over reductionistic in our media and the way that we think about ourselves and in our identities and how they're represented in the world around us. And obviously reductionism makes for good optimization of marketing and things like that. Right. And so it's very capitalistic driven in that sense. And you're saying, actually, we're more than that. We're not going to default to this very reductionistic idea of what it means to be a mother and a woman and we're going to reclaim the wholeness and the bigness and the complexity and the messiness of all of this and put a stake in the ground and say, look, there's so much more to be discussed. I think that to me feels like not only it resonates with me, but I see it resonating with, with those around me and um, with my wife, who is a huge fan of, as well. And so in that reclaiming of the bigger and the complex and the messiness, like what's the conversation that you think was most missing in the in previous highly reductionistic publications about motherhood that you are most passionate about cultivating and facilitating? Well, that's such a good question, Joel. And I also love the way that you describe the publication. I'm like, Natalia, we need to take notes on the way that Joel just put it. Um, I mean, God, there's so many. I think like the thing that this isn't like a really specific answer. Natalia, you might have a more specific answer, but I think we always know that it's a mother tongue conversation when there is a sort of ambiguity or gray area or apathy to the idea of being a mother. You know, I think, I think anytime we talk to someone who is a contributor who says, oh, well, I don't know if I'm kind of right for you. Like that's kind of, you know, if they haven't seen the magazine yet, um, and we kind of say, this is what we're about. We're a magazine. We have this tagline that says, um, a mom magazine for the now. And we've been kind of fighting with that tagline ever since we came up with it, because we kind of love that reclamation of a mom magazine, but I think it also immediately, you know, could put people off. 
And I think sometimes when we talk to contributors who maybe aren't familiar with the magazine yet, they might kind of question whether or not they're right for us. Um, and, you know, sometimes we talk to people we're interviewing and they talk about they're not sure if they were going to be interested in motherhood. Like, I think that question and that, you know, doubt or uncertainty, that's always kind of an indicator that there's something there that we want to look at and talk about. Um, even in the previous issue, you know, we had a conversation between a woman named Ruby Warrington um, and Dr. Pooja Lakshman, um, and we talked about kind of the falling birth rate and um, that, you know, more people are deciding not to have children, more women are deciding not to become mothers, and this kind of cultural idea of to be a whole woman, you need to be a mother, and debunking that, and like that is a mother tongue conversation for us, you know, and I think kind of even questioning, you know, this idea of motherhood and what it means to your identity um, and yourself. It's always that sort of, if there's a space to question something or to express doubt or to normalize these feelings of uncertainty, I think that's always what we're kind of really drawn to. Yeah, I don't know I mean, if that's, think, that's not a direct answer, but. No, but I think, I think that's, that's totally spot on in the sense that maybe what, you know, what sets us apart is that I think from day one, <laughs> our disclaimer has always been, we have absolutely no answers. <laughs> we don't pretend to provide questions. That's awesome. Um, you know, and I think such a big part of, of motherhood and parenthood is a search for answers, right? I mean, on every level, like it upends your entire existence. And so you're asking, okay, who am I? What's my place in the world alongside the practical? Like, how do I, <laughs> how do I get through the day, right? Um, and, and I think that was sort of really one of our, our sort of foundational pillars in the sense that like, you know, I mean, we joke that like we could just as well call mother tongue like our, our tagline could just be like for moms who are like, what the fuck? Um, because, you know, we we just don't we don't buy into this sort of prescriptive notion that someone has it all figured out. And for so long, I think a lot of media was peddling supposed answers. Um, mm -hmm. And I think as a generation, we are one that has a tendency to question um, and to doubt and be a bit skeptical. Um, and, and I think that is very much sort of what we are, you know, trying to inhabit um, is this sort of openness and like how much we can learn from taking a hard look at the way we ourselves do things. You know, I think that's also a large part of parenthood is that we're constantly convincing ourselves that we're we're doing it right, hopefully, right? Um, and and I think, yeah, we were just sort of hoping to push beyond beyond that. Um, and and yeah, like you know, really get at at the nuance and the confusion, like Melissa was saying. That's so good. I love all of that. And I think the, the answers versus questions thing is especially resonant with Carolina and I, because that's a lot of what drives these conversations for us and recording this podcast series. 
the world is so oversaturated with answers, right? And I think for, you know, I'll be 40 next year, so I'm an elder millennial. But for millennials and and Gen Z who are mostly have grown up with the internet, right? We have all of the answers at our fingertips. They they live with us in our pockets. And so there's this oversaturation of answers and solutions. And it's the novelty of a brilliant answer has is no longer, you know, what it what it used to be, right? Um, they're so easily to easy to come by. And so I think we are seeking better questions, right? More beautiful questions. I forget who it was who said that originally, but there's um, this pursuit of depth and breadth and insight. And uh, and so leaning into the question and the ambiguity of, of that space of living in inquiry and not knowing, I think is such a core capacity for navigating the world today. And I think this bridges to my next question. In as much as we as parents or mothers have to live in the space of, shit, am I doing this right? Like, uh, I can't figure this out. Like, what's the question I should be asking right now? And living in that that tension, that's that space of the in-between of of the the question and the answer, that's also the state of the world, right? We're we're in this in-between space today and thinking about climate change and the meta crisis and there's you know the proliferation of war and authoritarianism and there's all sorts of things happening and the breakdown of late stage capitalism and and you know economic disparity and there's there's just so much and we're so overwhelmed with it day to day and the answers seem so far right they're they're out of reach and so we're living in the space of how do we solve for this it all feels so overwhelming can you draw some connections between the way that you're thinking about motherhood and standing in the space of, of inquiry and question and how that either cultivates a capacity to live in the ambiguity of our modern world or equips us in some unique and, and uh, critical way to be nurturers, to be caretakers for the world around us beyond just the day-to-day picking up blocks you know, out of the living room and putting, you know, uh, little socks away in the drawer and keeping little humans fed, you know, constantly. Um, what's, what are some of the things you're thinking about in that, that space of connecting, caretaking to stewarding the world? I mean, I have sort of one answer to that, which is a little indirect, but I think so much of what we do in the magazine is talk about identity mm. and finding it or refinding it. Um, and and in a way, I think that sort of relates back to these much bigger existential questions and threats that we're all up against in the modern world. Yeah. Um, because I think we believe so strongly that this sort of this constant search and introspection that maybe older generations would call indulgent. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, both both as sort of as also being older millennials, um, but also just being the two women that we happen to be, I think we feel so strongly that that sort of search and conversation is worthwhile and finding that ability to sort of grasp 
who you are as a person in this very crazy and rapidly changing world, because that in and of itself equips you to sort of um, have perspective, um, to to be, you know, aware of of what you sort of want to present to to yourself, to your children, to your family. Um, so much as it's in your control, right? Because I think a big part of that is also understanding that, uh, yeah, a lot of things are very, very far out of our control these days. Um, you know, we we see that with the climate. Um, you know, it's that's a conversation that we're having quite head on in the, our upcoming issue, um, addressing that both through through a fantastic photo essay and and through a personal essay about two women from vastly different, you know, backgrounds really trying to figure out how do they how do they walk that line between remaining hopeful um but also facing the realities that are unfolding all across the globe. Um so so that's sort of a meandering answer in one way I hope um you know in how we sort of believe yeah what that there is there is like a very sort of broad connection between holding fast to who you are um and and sticking to it um and having these conversations that help sort of get to the bottom of those um yeah. questions i think you said something that i want to i want to put a finger on because i think it's really really important and i think it's a golden answer to the very long difficult uh muddy question i, I tried to ask <laughs> but you said in uh, well, first of all, I just love the phrase indulgent introspection. I think you should TM that. Um, uh, but this introspection that leads to perspective. And I think that's amazing because the introspection that leads to perspective, some would call that wisdom. And we were talking about the world being saturated with answers. I would say that's the world of knowledge. But what we need is wisdom. If we're going to navigate this era of complexity and ambiguity, we don't just need more knowledge, we need more wisdom, right? Some say that today in the world of AI, for example, we have the power of gods, but not the wisdom of gods. And that's what we need. We need to, I think, dispense with the power and embrace the wisdom. And so I think that that's what you're getting at, at least that's what I hear you saying is that this indulgent introspection is a keystone practice for us as humans if we're going to make it <laughs> because we need that perspective we need that wisdom we need to be able to hold all of this in our minds and stand in the the ache of the tension but you know of, of all this so yeah i i i think so and and you know even just like boiling it down like a step further like words that come to mind to me are like a sense of groundedness mm. and common sense <laughs> you know and, and I mean Melissa will tell you I'm the least woo-woo person <laughs> imaginable she she tries to sort of you know draw me into sort of some of the LA the LA speak sometimes um, the woo-woo and, and contributor at mother time. <laughs> <laughs> um but but I do think I mean yes like there is there's something to be said for for this being a phase for really getting to know yourself and your values um, and 
as, as a person and as, as a family. Yeah. Is there something that, you know, in this quest of like framing questions and knowledge in a way and, and trying to frame conversations, has there been something or conversations or topics that have surprised you in the way you have reacted to them? Like it has profoundly shift your perspective on something because of the platform or because of the conversation or because someone challenged your views of something? Um, yes, there's been, a, there's been a few. I mean, I think that is sort of the selfish prize of the project is that every day we're kind of like, you know, having these conversations that really do change the way that we think about things. Um, right now we're working on uh, a conversation for the new issue and it's about divorce. And, you know, we kind of noticed we have, you know, a chat group um, and it's myself and Natalia and our incredibly talented creative director, Vanessa Saba, who's a designer and artist in her own right. Um, and we will just sort of notice things, right? You know, that's kind of how, you know, this, this format that we call in conversation, which I mentioned in the previous issue, we talked about the decision for women to perhaps not have kids, just not pursue motherhood. Um, you know, we'll notice, we noticed that like, that was kind of something that a lot of people were talking about and we wanted to talk about more. And for this issue, it was divorce. Um, and I think we all started, started to notice that like, you know, there has been this cultural shift um, and everyone's been noticing it. It's not just us um, in response to divorce, where it used to be sort of like, oh, I'm so sorry. And it felt like it kind of went to this place of like celebration, you know, um, and whether it was sort of, you know, in pop culture, kind of this idea of like, she's free of him and like, God bless, you know, and like, she's, she's, she can fly now, you know, or even with people that, you know, in, in our immediate circles, kind of when marriage doesn't work out and this feeling of like, okay, well, that was one phase and they're going to co-parent and that's a new phase um, if they had kids. So we decided, you know, we really want to have this conversation and um, it's been amazing. We put together this incredible group of women, um, Clementine Ford, who's this feminist writer in Australia, Rachel Cargill, who's an author in the States, uh, and Laura Wasser, who's a celebrity divorce celebrity divorce attorney. She's a divorce attorney, and she has a lot of celebrity clients. Um, but she's incredible. Um, and so we kind of sat down and talked about kind of this path to marriage and this path to divorce and um, the cultural the cultural repercussions um, of all of it and kind of you know marriage as framed by this patriarchal kind of tool to kind of keep everybody in the place they need to be in for the system to continue to succeed and perpetuate. Um, and, you know, Natalia and I are both married, um, but I think sitting there and listening to the conversation, like it really did make us think kind of about, you know, what marriage means and these dynamic, these financial dynamics that go into it and, kind of looking around at everyone's relationships and, you know, Vanessa is not married. And she said, just wait, when this comes out, you're going to hear from people. There's going to be divorces as a result, you know, and Natalia and I are like, we don't want, you know, we're not looking to do that. But um, I think like just kind of investigating these things that are part of our own lives um, 
things we might have always kind of assumed for ourselves that, you know, you're just looking at, you know, with, with more of a magnifying glass because you are hearing other people's opinions and experiences and kind of turning that back in on yourself and saying, you know, what, what do I think about this? You know, what stories have I been told that I haven't questioned or, you know, what, what kind of messaging am I getting from the world around me? I don't know. That's a, another rambling answer to your, to your question, but there have been a lot of, maybe Natalia, you can kind of weigh in with anything that. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's like on a, on a less specific level. I mean, I think we're constantly confronted by stories that are so different than our own. Um, and, and of course that attracts us, that intrigues us. Right. Um, and and just sort of the the enormous privilege of of being able to speak to women all over the world really you know who have had such different circumstances who have made such different choices than maybe the ones that you know are familiar to us and that is just like a constant process of expansion for us um and and one that we hope, of course, extends to like to the readers. Um, and like this idea, you know, I mean, that's a big part of sort of why it's called Mother Tongue is we love this idea of of their of asking the question, like, is there a common language here? You know, uh, that despite all the differences in how we become mothers, how we approach motherhood. Are there, are there commonalities in our stories and experiences despite how different they are? Um, and, and I think again, like coming back to that word perspective, you know, it's it's incredibly humbling as well to, to, to be immersed in stories where, where you're reminded that people have a lot on their plate, you know? And I think, I think that's sort of, you know, also like the, the slightly like humanistic element of the magazine if you will is that like that's that's part of the exercise too right um is is showcasing and reminding you know not in a not in a sort of uh chastising way by any stretch of the of imagination but just sort of being like yeah you know we are we are all in this together mm -hmm. um and and that's important to remember and not lose sight of in in the frenzy of the everyday, right? Um, and and that maybe sounds a bit cheesy, but I think it is something that we that we really believe in, in this, like you know, in the beauty of building a kind of community where where it's okay to disagree, um, and you know, especially in this country in this moment where it's all about polarization mm -hmm. and extremes and black and white right like we live firmly in this very gray area and we're you know we're very comfortable and happy there um and um and, and, hope, and hope sort of you know other people will be as well which um, I think invites a certain level of vulnerability into like your guests and their perspectives as well I there is like that thread of like, and, and you said it, like that human, very human, very transparent kind of layer to like your POVs, like even the artists that you invite into and their art are like so touching and so real and so vulnerable. Um, 
in entire different ways that you would expect. Um, and and I think like that's so appealing to the publication, even for people that are not modernists right now, like my case, and I'm a big fan of the publication. Thank you. That's the biggest compliment to us because I think one of the other things that we talked about when we were starting Mother Tongue is like this idea that we didn't want it to be like this club. I think that sometimes motherhood is is viewed in that way of like you're in or you're out. You know, you have one kid or you have two kids. And if you have two kids, you're in that club. And if you have one, you have this one. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you're in that club. And if you don't want to have kids, then you're over there, you know? And it's like, I think like that's not the way that we wanted this to be. That's not the way that we want to operate in real life. You know, it's just far less interesting if you're only around people that are in the same situation as you. Um, And I think, you know, it was sort of a test to us also, you know, to make everything interesting on a human level, you know, Mm -hmm. like these stories should be interesting to whoever picks up the magazine. We don't want it to look a way that that puts off a potential reader and we don't want it to read a way that that puts off a potential reader and we have heard I think to your question about sort of surprises we have heard from a lot of women who are not mothers who are fans of the magazine and that is the biggest compliment to us you know because I think, you know, whether it's, you know, women who decided that motherhood is not for them, or if they're kind of considering it, you know, maybe down the road, um, we just feel like we have done our job if it's interesting, you know, because we're telling stories that engage people's minds. Um, and the other thing that that has been awesome to hear too is for for a younger reader who maybe is interested in becoming a mother down the road, you know, we've heard that it's been reassuring to them because it has kind of proven out to them that they don't have to fall off a cliff and kind of leave their former self behind. They can still be who they are and more of who they are even. Um, so that has been cool too. I think I'll I'll just add too that as a cisgendered white guy who's a father in part like practicing um introspection specific to my masculinity these last few years i feel like mother tongue has been relevant for me in that i know the language of masculinity and i'm learning the mother tongue <laughs> like the that there's a there's a um a whole world of just absolute beautiful genius in this conversation that um I think resonates and is inclusive to people who may, you know, regardless of gender, regardless of orientation, regardless of all of those things, the ways that you are breaking out of that highly reductionistic framework and talking about these subjects, I do think is universally resonant um, because it's resonant with me for sure. And, um, and so I think that's a really, really beautiful, another kind of outcome and and externality to the way that you're having these conversations. Um, so. Thank you. That's amazing to hear. Yeah, it's a huge compliment. I mean, and and I think, and I think, you know, that's also what, what we take away from it in to a degree is that we have this, you know, this opportunity to shed light on 
different perspectives of sort of the experience of being a woman in the modern world, um, which, you know, it's like throughout time, women's stories have just been so undervalued and underrepresented um, and continue to be for that matter. Um, and if we have, you know, even the smallest opportunity um, to widen that reach and that, you know, to, to slowly build up a, a platform for those stories, then that feels so incredibly satisfying and like important work to us um, that we find, you know, extremely rewarding. Um, so it's always reassuring to know <laughs> that it gets out there and and lands, um, you know, in, in people's laps. So what's next for you? What's the, the, the future ambition look like with mother tongue? Where's it going? What conversations are you seeking to tackle? Um, what's, what's next? Um, I mean, immediately we're like very much in the throes of closing issue five, mm -hmm. um, which will be out in October. Um, so that feels like quite a milestone, considering that it was not long ago that we we didn't know if there would be a number two. Um, so that's that's on the immediate horizon. And then, um, you know, looking further, further afield, um, we have some exciting projects brewing um, also in the publishing space, but perhaps moving slightly beyond just the magazine. Um, uh, leave it vague and vague just to pique your interest, right? Very uh, interested. And um, and yeah, and we have some collaborations and and sort of um in the pipeline as well, which which we're excited about. I think I can probably talk about um, I am a voter, Melissa, right? <laughs> um, so we are relaunching a collaboration with the nonprofit, um, nonpartisan organization, I Am A Voter. We did a t-shirt with them last year geared towards the midterms. Um, and we will relaunch that this year ahead of next year's elections to drive voter turnout. Um, so that will also be um, in this space this fall, um, which we're looking forward to. And, I mean, Melissa, do you wanna talk like bigger picture, like ambitions, goals, like. I think um, Natalia and I are both afraid to say things out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I think this, this whole journey has been so delightfully organic um, and, you know, one foot in front of the other and one door opening and maybe another one closing. Um, I mean, obviously, world domination is is up there. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, um, but no, I mean, I think just continuing to grow as a brand and a media platform is kind of where our heads are at. You know, like taking it from a magazine, which we think is a beautiful thing, um, to kind of this more expansive, you know brand slash media platform that kind of offers people what they're looking for without offering them too much. That's always been kind of our line to walk um, because I think we've also always felt that, you know, it's easy to be overwhelmed by content um, and we don't want to do that to people. We want to give them what they want um, and not more. 
Um, and so figuring out how to kind of meet those needs and find them where they are um, without kind of overdoing it and, you know, keeping the integrity of the brand and the thoughtfulness of it, um, because the thoughtfulness takes a while for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think well, that's so meaningful you know. wins the race. Yeah. So it's kind of how do you grow and how do you also keep that kind of slowness and that introspection um, that is at the heart of kind of everything we do? How do you keep that intact while still kind of offering more? That's kind or, of or, yeah, or reaching more people, right? Yeah. And I think I think that's something we think a lot about. Um, is just not this idea of of just getting bigger for the sake of it. Um, but, you know, yeah, growing, growing with intention and, and carefully, um, to, to sort of figure out new ways to tell these stories, um, you know, maybe not in the pages of a magazine. Um, yeah. And that's, that's sort of the, you know, I think, we look around us and we're like, okay, well, I mean, what does a what is a modern upstart media <laughs> um platform look like today? You know, and and we're looking around for those answers and for, for those models, and it's all just rapidly, you know, it's changing so, so rapidly. Um so I think when you say what does the future look like, I mean it, it's something that we very much would like to know. <laughs> As well, and the, word, um, the word future and the words biannual print magazine are not the most, <laughs> you know, yeah. likely bedmates, but I think that we do believe that there is a great one um, and that, you know, it, it will be revealed. I think the other thing that, that has been really surprising to us is, you know, we put out the magazine and then we made like a t-shirt, you know, kind of expecting like a few people to want it like mainly us and our family, you know, (laughs) and then people really wanted it. They wanted the t-shirt and they wanted the hat and they wanted the sweatshirts when we came out with the sweatshirts um, and the I am a voter t-shirt. And I think it is kind of indicative to us that people want to signal that they are the sorts of people who have questions about these things. Um, And they identify with that and they're proud of it. So that has been really interesting and exciting to us too, as far as thinking about this project as something wider and more of a brand. Um, and yeah. something that transcends like the the medium that you have right now, which I think, especially both of you coming from, you know, sort of a design perspective and interiors perspective and a space perspective, there is, there are so we've had so many conversations in in the last few episodes about experiences and emotional connections and to as a way to shift perspectives a lot about like climate change and beyond statistics and data how emotional connections can actually like make a change that i can't wait to see where you take it next and how the conversations transcend beyond pages that are already so meaningful to so many, uh, but experiences and and feelings and emotions. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. It was absolutely lovely. Thank Thank you so much for having us. You've been listening to The Fuzz. 
a Gensler podcast exploring intuitive curiosities. The Fuzz is hosted by Carolina Montilla and Joel Ferris. Production by Jared Price. Brand designed by Krista Reeder. The theme music was written by Ido Maimon. For more on all things fuzzy, please visit our substack, thefuzz.substack.com. Thanks for listening.